On this episode of the Popcorn Diet, we are diving deep into the four-hour runtime of Zack Snyder's Justice League. Get your popcorn ready. The great darkness begins. I will bathe in your fear. We have no fear! There's an attack coming. Not coming. It's already here. to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater, popcorn, and other delicious movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, do you feel as if your world has been changed? I've been to Mortar and back. You've <laughs> Actually, that's funny you, you, you bring it up like that because I kind of want to talk about it a little bit. Um, welcome back. We are here to talk about, I mean, something that frankly just couldn't be avoided. Like, I, I don't think even if we wanted to, we could avoid Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, a four-hour superhero epic that you can watch on HBO Max right now. Um, and... Having experienced it, obviously there's a lot of things I want to talk about. Um, first off, how do you feel coming out of it? Tired. <laughs> it's busy. It's it's long. I spent all weekend watching it. It's I here's one other here's before we get into the, the, the actual breakdown and the actual, you know, review of the movie, I very much appreciated that they had title cards for the different six or seven different parts. So you could get up and go to the bathroom. Excellent. Like, I wish more movies built in pause points like that. You know? Like, that was really great. Usually when I pause a movie, because we've had this conversation before yeah. on the podcast, where mm -hmm. I feel like pausing a movie is, like... Disrespectful. Yeah, it's, like, scrupulous. It's, it's disrespectful to the story that's being told. But sometimes you can't help it. You're sitting at home, like, why Why would I not? Yeah, I think we talked about how you watch it from your bathroom. I watch it. We have, we've talked about how I have watched it from the bathroom. But also, when I try to pause something, I try to pause it at the end of a scene. Hmm. So not in the middle of a conversation or an action scene. I try and wait till there is a cut that I can be like, okay, that part is over. Let's go to the bathroom. So you didn't have any opportunities in fast Fast Five no. on the uh, runway? No. Or Fast no. Six? No. I mean, once you get that once you get that far, you shouldn't listen. If you are still having to go to the bathroom in the climax of the film, you have scheduled your bathroom breaks incorrectly. Mm. Um, that being said, this is a long movie. Now, David, obviously we've talked about this, and we're going to talk more about this, but how much, like, how much weight do you put into the actual journey that this movie took? Like, is it something that you find interesting? Is it something that you really don't care about? Because this movie went through a journey that I will walk us through. I'll walk the audience through and bring everybody up to speed. But I want to get your thoughts on it first. 
you know, it's it's one of those stories where I don't think Fox surprise surprise Warner Brothers or Warner Brothers sorry Still Warner Brothers surprise surprise surprise, surprise uh, handled the situ- situation very well. Obviously, you'll talk through the whole story, but right. obviously, Zack Snyder went through some stuff mm-hmm. and. With how far the movie was, it's one thing to have someone come in and push it across the finish line. Right. It's another thing to have someone come in and modify it and the end result not really being right. what was 90% there. Mm-hmm. And so with that being said, to me, it's one of those things where it's like, I understand how we could get to the point that we are. I'm not as upset about it as like say i don't need a miller brothers or uh the miller's version of han solo or sure some of those other stories that we've had in recent memory where we got it to you know late stages of development Mm -hmm. and production and then we got a change of it this one to me i feel like warner brothers kind of did zach snyder dirty and so I'm a little bit more open to kind of what I would declare revisionist history and going back and and revising something after the fact. Yeah. That being said, I wasn't I wasn't needing this by any means. Sure. I I was fine moving on with my Justice League life and uh continuing on the path that was already broken and not Making much that sense. Was already broken. Well, I'll tell you, I'm glad this movie exists. We'll talk about the fact that this movie exists and like what it means to the overall, like, I don't know, just film consciousness or whatever. But for for the uninitiated, for those who are not like tapped in deep to the hashtag film Twitter conversation, I'll give a reader's digest version of exactly what led us to Zack Snyder's Justice League being released. And obviously, Zack Snyder was brought on to make Man of Steel. And that I really like Man of Steel. A lot of people like Man of Steel. I think Man of Steel is an imperfect movie. I think it gets some very core things wrong with the Superman mythos, right? But he made the movie. It was very well received. It was after watching. And here's the other thing, David. I don't know how much homework you did. I watched all of the old Superman movies. I watched all of the old uh, DC movies. I watched the all of the DCEU movies. Man of Steel is the best Superman movie. Like, Christopher Reeve is a great Superman. Those movies have not aged well at all. They just haven't. The closest one is Superman 2, and even then, a lot of the complaints that some of the normal people have about Man of Steel can also be applied to Superman 2. So, for example, oh, he just murders Zod. Guys, Superman murders Zod in the in Superman 2 as well. Like, just straight up murks him. So I, I don't understand where some of that, like, self-righteous indignation is. But it had its detractors. It wasn't universally beloved. And then we got to Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, which I remember the theatrical experience being less than ideal. I don't know about your thoughts on BVS. But it was it was rough. It was we got a super dark Superman who is like, why should I be Superman? We got a Batman who's murdering everybody. 
Uh, we got a crazy Lex Luthor. We got a Doomsday Plot. We got Wonder Woman. We got three movies in a single movie. And then there's news that Justice League is coming out. And we're going to get... And Zack Snyder is going to get to continue. He's going to get to make Justice League. And in the midst of that production, I'd say far, fairly deep into production. I'd say like 80%. Yeah. Uh, a, a tragedy hits. Zack Snyder's daughter, um, I mean, takes her own life, commits suicide. Mm-hmm. And Zack tries to pour himself into his work as a cathartic type thing. Realize it doesn't. It's not working. He needs to be there for his family. Removes himself from the production of the film. Warner Brothers, seemingly very supportive of it, says obviously Zach and and Deborah Snyder they need their time. The family needs time to heal, and we're going to bring Joss Whedon in to quote unquote get this film across the finish line. Joss Whedon, who at the time is was one of the more beloved stewards of like nerd culture obviously made the first two Avengers movies mm-hmm. now ostracized for basically being a, a real piece of garbage person as a director. Yeah. Um, we're not going to get into that, but as everybody said, like we're going to, we're going to, we're going to push this across the finish line. We're going to get this movie across the finish line and get it ready. And they didn't delay the release date. They didn't change anything. And the movie comes out and it, feels like an absolute mess and it's it's not good it, it, originally i thought justice league was better than batman vs superman revisiting them i flipped my my stance on that interesting um and the problem is is that, that there are too many seams that show in just in the 2017 version of justice league now this is when the fans some of the fans start calling bullshit and saying there's no way that this was just pushing his baby across the finish line. This is too tonally different than what Zack Snyder has done. There are bad, bad green screen and cutaways in the movie. And people start saying that, like, Zack was disrespected. And they start building these rumors that a Snyder cut exists. Uh, a working print with unfinished effects that is Zack Snyder's original vision. And everybody involved, the studios, the directors, everybody says, doesn't exist. You know, this is, this is what we wanted to do. And then things start leaking out, right? They start leaking out and, it fi- and, and things like Joss Whedon replaced 80% of what Zack Snyder shot starts leaking out. Or that Warner Brothers mandated a, a two-hour runtime starts leaking out. Long story short, it turns out that all of the people who were demanding the Snyder Cut, who were building this conspiracy that Zack Snyder got done dirty, as you said, mm-hmm. turns out they're, they're right. <laughs> they were right. And it turns out that they literally, once Snyder was out, they just took over. They had no respect for his original vision. They had no respect for any of the work that he had done. They canned pretty much the entire movie to make it more bright, more colorful, and shorter so they could get more screenings of it to take more to earn more money during the theatrical release. And slowly but surely, the momentum builds. Zack Snyder gets behind it, starts tweeting images of him in the editing studio with Justice League stuff. The whole cast gets behind it. Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, uh, uh, 
Jason Momoa, Ray Fisher becomes a huge rallying person behind releasing this Snyder Cut because of all of the quote-unquote good stuff that got chopped out. And ultimately, like, HBO Max gets rolled out as their streaming service. And a few months after that, Warner Brothers announces, like, we're going to do just Zack Snyder's Justice League. We're going to give him an extra, like, $40 million to do his effects. And they even let him shoot a couple of new scenes. And it exists now. And I just think that it's just so interesting because there are so many layers to it, right? There's, there's a toxicity level of the fandom about deserving. Oh, we deserve this. We're owed this, you know? And they frame it behind, like, let Zach uh, complete his vision. There was a lot of toxicity in the people who disagreed with them, who, who said, like, well, you, you need to chill out. Like, they would dox people. They would harass female film reporters for, for film websites and things like that. There was a, there was a real difficult balance between gross behavior and vindication for being right. And I do want to give them credit, particularly, and when I say them, I don't mean everybody who wanted to watch the Snyder Cut. I'm talking about a very specific group of fans. They raised tens of thousands of dollars for suicide prevention and awareness and things like that, which is an incredible thing. But through this weird combination of studio bullshit and fanboys frothing at the mouth and Zack Snyder being this really interesting rallying point, we have Zack Snyder's Justice League. And I don't know if it's that different, David. Coming off of it, do you think it's that? I think obviously the situation is different, but director's cuts are not all that dissimilar and extended editions are not all that dissimilar. You know, we got a Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut. Exists. You can get it on DVD and Blu-ray officially, no bootlegs. Mm -hmm. A lot of people consider that the superior version. You get the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy as an example that has all extended editions that just build that world out. Mm -hmm. And that's the one I was thinking about when watching this movie. So do you think that there's a difference between what we got here and those types of things? Do you think it is all in the journey that it took to get Zack Snyder's Justice League? Well... So I do think this felt in a lot of ways similar in that it extended this story. It added more background. I didn't feel like it necessarily changed anything. No, the plot is almost the, identical. The plot is pretty much identical. Some things happen in a little bit different ways, but it's nothing that you know changes the end result or changes who people are. I would say there's one... Uh, one thing that I would say does change, obviously, pretty pretty blatantly in the story. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, it stays pretty much along the same lines. It's just expanded a little bit and obviously drug, drawn out a whole lot longer. Right. When it comes to Lord of the Rings, though, you know, that was something where, you know, to some degree, I think it was edited down for theaters because... Those movies were already two and a, three hours, three and a half hours yeah. in their regular run Return time. Return of the King's like three, three and a quarter hours or something like that. Yeah, so theatrical. Yeah, so it's tough to release that extra. But what I liked about Lord of the Rings is, 
I think to some degree they knew all along they were going to have, and this is all unconfirmed and unresearched, but sure. to me it felt like they knew all along that they were going to film more than what, you know, some aspects of the story that were from the books that they knew would be cut from theatrical version. Sure. Because it all flowed a little too well together from that standpoint, like both the theatrical. Because sometimes when you get director's cuts, it's very obvious that they added something in there. Right. It doesn't flow quite the same. It's obvious as the, why things got cut. Exactly. but Or even just the process of adding it back in to the theatrical version right. feels a little you know, out of place to some degree. So for me, it felt a little bit that way. But I mean, it's a complete shift from even just the way that you view it from widescreen to f- the four by three ratio, the just three, the, the IMAX ratio, just the ratio change alone and the color scheme. Like it's more than just a director's cut. It is, you know, very obvious that this is, you know, someone else's viewpoint almost of sure. the same story. So for me, it's a little bit different than that. I don't know, maybe more Superman two from sure. the standpoint of, it's more someone else's take on what they felt like it should have looked like and f- felt like and gone yeah. than necessarily let's add additional story. But it does do that too because obviously when you go from two and a half hours to four hours, there's going to be additional storytelling in there. It's that, literally doubled in time. Yeah. Like th- it's mathematically doubled in time. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good point. I think... There's two big things that I wanna I wanna make note of. Is number one is um, movies in general always start with much 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 longer versions, as you said, that are cut for pacing, that are cut for plot. It's the cut to keep the things moving forward. You know, it's a, it's a living breathing work of art, and it has to flow. There is a visual language that movies utilize on a subconscious level in order to be successful works of art, you know, or just a a successful movie. And there are tons of huge movies out there that had original, like, assembly cuts of three hours or four hours. Um, You know, the Russos just said that there might be a six-hour version of Endgame out there. Uh, This always happens with, with editing, you know, you shoot as much as you can, and then you assemble it into the editing room in something that works. So with Lord of the Rings, same philosophy is true there. They just were given the time and the money to take all of that additional stuff and bring it up to speed with what they got to finish, you know, uh, uh, theatrically speaking. Sure. The other thing is, like, to your point, like, it's a different person's vision, right? Mm-hmm. It's like those, like, wine and paint nights where everybody gets the same picture to paint, and... Everybody pretty much paints the same thing, but there may be little differences here and there. You know, it's 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 just the same thing by a different artist. It's a different artist using these characters. And I think what was just so bad about it is just, or I guess what everybody reacted so negatively about the original was that you have this artist who has been building his vision for two movies and then you replace it with a completely different one. That's going to be really unfulfilling for some people, especially when you are trying to build something consistent, which Warner Brothers clearly has shown 
they're almost incapable of doing. Yeah, the only thing I'll push back a little bit on is, and I looked it up, it was $70 million extra. Yes, it was originally announced as like 25 to 40, yeah. and it ballooned to 70. Yeah, so... This is the price of another movie. Yeah, let's be clear. The original movie cost 300 and to get this across the finish line with Zack Snyder's vision, it cost 70 So... My point there is I don't feel any need to defend Warner Brothers, but obviously it wasn't just we're at the finish line, just push it across Joss Whedon. Right. And also I would argue too, and and we'll never know this, I mean, unless someone comes out and says it, like when you go back and revisit something that came out four years ago, there's a chance that you also have listen and had a while to look at the movie and realize what worked what didn't and when you go back in to re-edit it you might change things that even you were going to do wrong you know from that standpoint so it's hard to really know exactly where Zack Snyder ended and where Joss Whedon started and then where Zack Snyder picked back up exactly because like was Zack Snyder and we could do a whole podcast just about this, right? We yeah. haven't even talked about what we think of the movie yet. Sure. But, like, did Zack Snyder really originally consider adding Darkseed? Did he really consider adding Martian Manhunter? Did he yeah. really? Was he really going to shoot that last scene? And that yeah. one I know we can answer definitively no. Yeah. He added that after four years of being away from the project. Yeah. So I think you, that's an excellent point you bring up, is where did jo- where did Zack Snyder end originally? Where did Joss Whedon begin? And there are scenes in the movie in which like you can literally see, this is not this is Joss. Mm-hmm. This is a reshoot. Yep. But also like, if this it was this truly his original vision? Yeah, because I mean hindsight is always twenty twenty to some degree. You know where it's right. like. How many how many directors would have come out with a better movie if they would be given basically two chances at it? Right. Where it's like, okay, do the movie, release it, wait four years, do gather again. up people's reactions, <laughs> stew on it, and then go tweak it. I yeah. think a lot of people would probably come up with a better result at that point. That's what Sony did with Spider-Man, basically. Uh, multiple times it took him three times going to marvel but now that being said like and as we get into the movie we'll talk more about this but there was there are huge chunks of this film that were completely disregarded and discarded that i think are great that were brought back in that we know weren't reshoots like we know all the cyborg stuff was existing we know that's from four years ago he didn't reshoot any of that and the Flash stuff that was in there, we know that that was existing. Now, he didn't reshoot any of that. And there's some really good stuff in this movie that did exist that we know for sure because that $70 million mostly went to post-production. It went to editing special effects, and it went to shooting, I think, one, technically two new scenes, which is the whole end coda, essentially. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting and I'm not, you know, we're already 20 minutes in. I'm not going to get into the, we already talked about the, necess- the, 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 the toxicity of the fandom versus the good that they've done. 
And I think the only last thing that I want to say about that is that we have to be willing to call out bad behavior by people without completely like ostracizing them because you have this group of fur of 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 rabid, frankly rabid fans who really put the fan in fanatic, who treated people like garbage who weren't on their page. Mm -hmm. They treated people terribly. But the fact that this movie exists is an incredible testament to their will. Um, an incredible testament to Zack Snyder's will. And the money that they raised for suicide prevention and the good works that they did do are something that's commendable. And I've talked about it enough on this podcast that I don't think we as consumers or viewers are owed anything. I think it's a very fine line when you're talking about popular art and you're talking about a studio that needs to make money versus an artist who's just, I'm going to make a movie. You know, There's a big difference between... Justice League and say Nomadland for why they exist and how they're made and, and how they're produced. But I'm I'm always in the middle. Like I will watch whatever you put in front of me, but I don't think that I'm beholden to anything. No, I think, you know, there's a level of investment, you know, if you read comics sure. and you followed the stories. Emotional investment. Where you want when it comes to the big screen for it to play out a certain way or you know when you've watched marvel for years or you've watched star wars for years to become such a rabid fan base which is great from the standpoint of the box office blows up sure. and, and these characters they sell merch and they mean things to people and, and that's yeah important. they they're meaningful to people but at the same time it's easy to take ownership in your mind almost that you are a part of this and it is a part of you and, and they owe you something when really right. at the same time, like they don't owe you anything. If they acquire the rights and they create the work and the art, it's in their vision. Right. Like, and we've seen it go the other direction where there's too much fan service and sure. what that does to a movie as well. Sure. So, you know, it's, it's fine to go to a movie and say you didn't like it. Like, yeah. but that doesn't mean like, absolutely. that doesn't mean the director screwed up or they did it wrong or that kind of thing. That's your point of view. There's plenty of people that are, that are going to like it. That's it's not, it's not your Luke Skywalker doesn't just belong to you. It doesn't just Superman doesn't just belong to you. Batman doesn't just belong to you. You know, if you don't like it, like tweet, I guess tweet about it. Don't go see it. Maybe start a podcast. Sure. Don't. You know, don't go see it or don't wa buy the the movie when it comes out on right. video or right. streaming. Don't, you know, buy the merch, whatever. But at the same time, like, there's going to be plenty of people that like every movie. Yeah. So like us, like me. Yeah, like absolutely. Me, mostly me. Um, so let's talk about the movie. We've talked enough about. I just think the behind the scenes stuff is incredibly interesting and incredibly unique. And I wanted to talk about that and talk about. <coughs> how we got a four-hour version of Justice League, how we got Justice League by way of 300 and Lord of the Rings. And I think it's interesting. And I, I love that this movie exists. You know, like, do we need it? Is it necessary? I mean, is, is anything necessary? You know, my, I don't know. So my issue with it, and I'm not as in love with it as, as you probably, but my issue with it is... Accepting of it. I think it's more accurate, but my issue of it is that I feel like it just creates a bigger mess for Warner Brothers than they already had. This is fair because 
They already had no logic or direction in where they were going. <laughs> they had a iffy Ben Affleck, whether he was even going to be Batman anymore. Yeah. They had, you know, their their brightest and most successful character in Wonder Woman. Yep. Who her sec her sequel was not mixed. Very well received. I would say mixed. It was very mixed. mixed at best. And I loved it. Shocked. Yeah. I mean I didn't I didn't have issues with it. It, it definitely did. wasn't on the same level as the first one. No. But Aquaman made a mixed billion reviews. plus dollars. Um, Aquaman, I think, was it was almost in Venom territory where it was like like this movie's so batshit crazy, it's a ma- it's a miracle. Yeah, like <laughs> I really enjoy this. This is a really fun time, but I'm not necessarily going to say that this is a good movie. It is cotton candy. It is very exactly. cotton candy. Exactly. And and there's all these rumors Shazam. about whether Flash is going to happen. We had Shazam, which you know I think was another one of the more successful. Yeah. End of the spectrum, and. You know, is Henry Cavill going to continue playing Superman? Like We got Suicide Squad over here. Now we got The Suicide Squad. We got Birds of Prey. What are we doing? Like, there still seems to Joker, be... Lest no, we forget. No direction. And then add to it now the chaos of, well, which Justice League is canon? And again, the plot didn't change significantly one way or another. Right. But... The tone did. But Zack Snyder left about 19... Easter eggs that if this was Marvel, you'd be like, oh, this is indicating this is coming. Or right. this is indicating this is coming. Yeah. There's no guarantee that anything that he put in there is coming, which just creates more dysfunction in the sense of like, how is this gonna fit in right. with the overall story that Warner Brothers is trying to tell? Right. And it's hard for me to envision them and short of bringing Zack Snyder on and saying, you know, we screwed up, Zach. We want you to con- get back into leading the direction of right of this franchise. Here's five hundred million dollars. We want you to make three HBO Max exclusive miniseries. Short of that, what are we doing? Yeah, so that's that's more my issue with it. It's not that like if we were in a situation where DC and Warner Brothers was continuing to just make kind of these offshoot series which kind of seems like they might be doing like like they've made this offshoot uh you know when you had the dark knight franchise right or it's on a different earth when you had you know george clooney playing batman right or you know or you joaquin had the, phoenix playing the joker exactly when you had those things going on like it doesn't really matter if you were to go and remake this but right. at one point they were trying to be marvel-esque and create this long form story where they have recurring characters and the same actors playing these and you know they get into that same kind of model right and then they bailed halfway through well they bailed halfway through and then this even further bails on it because now we're going to have two versions of the same movie floating out there right. and one that's i don't know i haven't paid attention enough to tri- twitter you can probably fill this in Pretty the Zack Snyder version is pretty popular. Pretty popular. Pretty well received, like critically well received, uh, public wise well received. Like basically, the general consensus before we get into our consensus is that 
this is a true, consistent, singular vision that as a four-hour piece of art works. It makes sense. It's cohesive. And that you couldn't say that about the 2017's Justice League. The funny part about everything that you just said, though, doesn't say it's good. It just says no. it's not terrible. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. People said it's beautiful. People said the characters are, are really well fleshed out. Um, but like every, yeah, almost yeah, everybody is saying it's because you've gotten six and a half hours of them. It's at this overindulgent. Point. Like yes, to <laughs> to your point, there is enough extra Flash stuff in this movie, and there is enough extra Cyborg stuff in this movie that if we were following the Marvel, uh, uh, I don't know, Marvel playbook, would have had would have been in their own movies. Sure, you know, but that's and so that's where like I am trying to disassociate the my judgment of the movie is like clearly this can this particularly this movie like as a whole I think we can both universally agree Warner Brothers screwed the pooch sure. in terms of a trying to build a cohesive universe. B, following through on that cohesive universe, and then C, like muddying up even more by letting this movie exist. Like that is without question. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing is, okay, in this movie we get more flash background in the sense that we see him save Iris West. Yep, we get that whole sequence. Getting hit by a, a truck. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that supposed to replace a Flash origin story movie? I that mean, yeah. extra seven minutes of film time, a, yeah, <laughs> of screen pretty, time? pretty much. And, like, yeah. you know, we get a few more scenes, but we get at least to see how Cyborg became Cyborg. I love all of Cyborg shit. And like, I'll just say that right now. So we get that aspect. Uh-huh. We get how his but again, power works. We get the real internal you get, struggle. You get, you get probably... You know, whereas in the first one, we probably got five to seven minutes invested in Cyborg alone, his story and, and who he and is. And that's generous. Like, we saw his creation on, like, a video screen. Yeah. In this film, we probably got 20... 20, 25. Yeah. So, again, great in improvement. Yeah. But still doesn't replace the fact that he should have had a movie beforehand right and so, so and and that's where i think it's tough and that's where maybe i think you and i might disagree the most on it which i think is what will make an interesting podcast is that i have essentially given up the hope that this like what of marv what warner brothers should have done like I, and i'm just like okay man what's this four hours you got for me you know what i mean like because i'm with you you know if warner well, brothers really wanted to compete they failed well and listen here's here's my thing is i was fine with the extra character development obviously i think it made a better movie and it made it more understandable and allowed you to connect with the characters better sure but the things i this movie from the start as i texted you <laughs> 5 minutes in <laughs> is really up its own butt at this point when it's indulgent like, when I get a when I get a message at the start of the movie that says this movie is shown in four to three ratio to be in line with Zack Snyder's vision, yeah, it's like okay, we could just say that <laughs> it's it, this this was designed to be four to three 
ratio. Yeah. Like we don't need to say to be in line with Zack Snyder's vision. Yeah. And then I don't need to open up with Ben Affleck riding a horse for seven minutes through through you? the hills of of Middle Earth to go find Aquaman. Like it's not Zack Snyder's not Terrence Malick here. But but all, but that, and that's one of the most interesting things about about Zack Snyder's work is that it's full of inconsistencies, right? Like we're gonna present this movie in four three to maintain the artistic vision of Zack Snyder, the artistic vision which was originally a four three ratio is designed to fill the entire IMAX screen, yes, right, which is incredible. I want to see a whole wall of a movie, sure. but then the way that you distribute this movie is on nothing but rectangular screens that are in infinitely smaller than IMAX movies. Oh, I just got my old TV, so yeah, <laughs> my old box like WandaVision TV. WandaVision style, yeah, yeah, you yeah. pulled out the tube television. So it's like, what is the, like, it's counteractive to, like, I, okay, cool. We did not respect Zack Snyder's vision before, so we are now, we're letting him do this 4-3, despite the fact that it is almost completely pointless to release it in 4.3 on a streaming service. It's counterintuitive. Same thing with his, his general philosophy of like Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, and this Justice League were supposed to lead to the ideal, uh, recognizable versions of these heroes, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's what he's saying, right? But that's not how film audiences work. That's not how audiences mm -hmm. work. If you introduce to me a Superman... That is like, well, maybe I don't want to be Superman. I'm going to be like, why am I watching this? Yeah. If you introduce to me a Batman who is just like grimdark, I'm going to murder people, I'm going to say, that's not Batman. That's a murdering psychopath. Like, you have to give them places from which to fall in order to bring them out. And if yeah. you introduce them at their lowest, you, you run the risk of alienating a lot of the audience. So th this, it's full of contradictions, okay? Like, that's just the facts. It's full of contradictions. I think one of the other interesting parts is I also think this film benefits in a lot of ways to having the first film because I would kept waiting for, you know, and I know they weren't looked on fondly, but one of the things that I actually enjoyed, and I'm probably in the minority here of the original, mm -hmm. was some of the humor in there. Mm -hmm. Like I laughed a number of times when I watched the original one. And I felt like it broke up some of the, especially in a four hour, and granted the first one wasn't four hours, no. but like it broke up some of the like Zack Snyder-ness of it. Right. Um, like when I went and saw Watchmen and anyways, <laughs> Not that's, a, a, that's a different there. story. Um, Not a lot of humor there. It's just a giant blue penis. Is, that's all I can remember hey. from it. <laughs> um, anyways, um, <laughs> but no, I felt like, I kept waiting for Flash to be funnier in this because I remember all the punchlines and fun things that he had in the original. Uh -huh. And so I like instantly came into this movie thinking Flash is funny. But then I realized as I watched it, he doesn't get that many. Like there's the scene on the rooftop with the he light. He still is though. Like he still is clearly the comedic relief. Sure, but he doesn't, if you, if you actually think through this version of it. Right. There's not many opportunities where he gets to be the comedic relief. No. In this film. No, there's not. That's the funniest part about Zack Snyder in general is that, uh, particularly when it comes to these superhero movies, he takes himself so damn seriously. Mm -hmm. and, and there's something I respect about that because this is 
superheroes by way of mythology. These are godlike beings. These are this is a Renaissance painting of a superhero movie. Well, it's obvious that he was into the graphic novels, not right. the right. traditional comic books. Exactly. And that's these, what he gravitated to. And these to. guys aren't dealing with human problems like Marvel films are. Like they, these guys are gods. They are new gods. Like this movie doesn't have any human stakes. The last like hour of this movie is just a bunch of superpowered beings like fighting with each other for what? Oh, to save the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm fine with it. I, 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 it. It is different than Marvel. And that's not a that's not a negative. But to your point, like there were a lot of humorous bits taken out. There's a lot. You know who comes out the best? I think looking at this besides Cyborg, Cyborg's my MVP vote. But it's Affleck's Batman, because in the Joss Whedon version of Justice League, there is just some really bad jokey cutaways so, like there's when Superman wakes up and and basically wrecks hell and then flies away. There's a really bad cutaway to Ben Affleck on like a, a piece of fake grass on a studio in front of a green screen, like getting up and like, oh, something's definitely bleeding. It's bad mm-hmm. in the original version. And this one gives him the opportunity to not be quippy and be jokey. But he is the one who is who is trying to pull himself out of this darkness by that light that Superman theoretically is supposed to be. And he actually has an arc through Batman vs. Superman into this movie where at the end of the movie when the, the, the cyborg finally gets the flying ship to fly mm-hmm. and he's optimistic. He's, how do you know it's going to work? Faith, Alfred. Like, that's interesting to me. I like that. And I like that they cut these quippy nonsense lines from him. Um, I I enjoyed that. You know, I think Affleck comes off really well in this movie. And I think the same with Cyborg. I think Affleck comes off well in every movie. I mean, this is true. This is not like, this is not secret. You, If you tell me right now, like Ben Affleck's going to do more Batman, like sign me up. You tell me Ben Affleck's going to do anything. Sign me up. I'm interested. Um, who, who has the better Batman voice? Christian Bale or Ben Affleck? Well, here's the thing. Christian Bale, the, they made the artistic boy. That could be a whole podcast in and of itself. Christian Bale made, and, and Christopher Nolan made the artistic decision for Christian Bale to lower his natural voice in an animalistic type of way, right? Yeah. Where in Batman vs. Superman in this movie, they make it like obvious that he is using a voice modifier. Yeah. And so he has a slightly modified voice. They're both goofy. <laughs> They're both goofy. Like they just are. There's, there's no way getting around it. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I think Affleck's is a little less goofy, but there was a moment near the end of the movie. Yeah, there's one towards the end of the movie where I'm like, oh, man, this is bad. <laughs> and also, like, again, it's full of contradictions, man. He uses that voice to mask his identity and strike fear into the hearts of criminals in Gotham. Why the fuck? Why? I'm stop myself. Why would he use the voice modulator when he's with his teammates who all know him, who literally saw him put the Batman uniform on? Just use your regular voice, dude. It's fine. But like, I'm okay with it not being as humorous. I bought into this because Zack Snyder is clearly like, this is going to be my epic, like, the fantasy god version of superheroes where everybody is super jacked. 
even if you're in the movie for three seconds, you are super jacked. Everyone's a badass. But that's also where, like, I feel like Aquaman, almost like half of his jokes get cut short. Yes. From the standpoint of, like, like when he has the, like, my man or like my that. Man. Like, it just doesn't come off in the same way because the tone is so dark that it's, like, it just feels out of place with some he, of those little, like, funny quips and things like that. Yeah, they feel Aquaman, out of place in Zack Snyder's version. Aquaman, I think, got... So, I think... So, let's talk about... Because, obviously, we're talking about characters yeah. right now, right? I think Aquaman and Wonder Woman got the short end of the stick in this movie. Aquaman was really just... Is mostly just, I'm brooding. I'm, I'm being a brooding guy. And he gets a couple of moments where he's he gets to be a bro. When he's walking in the back cave and he's just like, badass, Alfred. Like, I'm like, yes, that's Aquaman. He's cool. He's a bro. Or he gets the moment where he gets caught by Cyborg. And he's like, my man. But they even cut down on his like Looney Tune, like, like they yeah. cut down on that. I'm okay with it. But he clear he doesn't have nearly the arc that other characters do. And same with Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is is great in this movie. She gets a dope action scene at the beginning where she straight up murders people, which I'm mm-hmm. fine with. Whatever. You know, I, I I don't care. You like you want to murder terrorists? Go ahead, murder terrorists. But then she's just really an exposition machine, and her I think her role is the least changed. Although, like, fortunately, you don't get the Joss Whedon gag of the Flash falling on Wonder Woman and having his face in her boobs or something like that. Like, we don't get that anymore. And I think the I think Superman is a wash. I think he benefits from having. All of the terribly reshot CGI face bullshit cut out. It's true. And and he's not in this movie a ton. A lot of this movie is the Justice League trying to figure out how to do this without Superman. And then the last third of the movie is like, we need to resurrect Superman. And he's not in it a ton. But I like what he's doing when he's in it. He comes in, wrecks hell, beats the shit out of Steppenwolf. Like, I'm into it. Um. But Batman, clearly, Ben Affleck's Batman, I think it's a better end of the stick. I think he's better characterized as this, like, this leader who is pulling himself out of his, out of his darkness. And then clearly Flash, Flash and Cyborg are, are the two most beneficial, particularly Cyborg. Cyborg, and for sure. Cyborg, for sure, because he gets an entire emotional arc of his father not being there for him, he being in this terrible accident, his father turning him into a Frankenstein's monster type thing. His father dying in this one versus not Living dying in, in the, the other pre- one. Yeah. Almost exactly the same way that Joe Morton dies in Terminator 2. Like, yep. <laughs> like they're distinct parallels. The, the exploration of, of his um, conflict at being essentially a, a technology god uh, all of that stuff is super interesting, and accepting himself, himself, as as to what he is, like that's a super interesting arc. And I can see why Ray Fisher was pissed off that all of that got chopped out. Sure. And then the Flash is kind of, I like the Flash for two specific reasons. I I like the Iris West Flash intro scene a lot. Like I'm into it. Um, I like the stuff that with his dad, with Billy Crudup. Shouts out to Billy Crudup. Speaking of Watchmen. Speaking of Watchmen and blue penises. Um, and frankly, I think Flash's moment at the end of the movie where the Justice League fails. 
and the mother boxes rewrite the mm. the, the the code of Earth essentially, mm. and he taps into the speed force to run back time mm-hmm. is probably my favorite part of the whole movie. Like, I'm just struck by it. I'm in awe with it. The music, the visuals, I think the emotion really worked well. Like, I was fully invested. Here's the issue there. All right, let's go. Fine. We don't know what the heck he's doing. Like, there's we haven't been even told what the speed force is, right? what running back, that even running back in time is possible. Right. Like, all we know is all of a sudden he realizes, oh, crap, Earth is blowing up. I'm going to run towards it, and we're just supposed to fill in the blanks that, like, oh, he's running back time. Now, you and I know this. Yes, because, because we've we watched, watched Flash. Flash. We know about Flash. And we know f- about that. The quote-unquote fans know this. And I think that's the point. Like, I this movie is not made for a casual viewer. Like, I think that's a little bit of a cop out. But I, I don't. I get I'm not you. saying it's not. I'm not saying it's not a cop out. Like, you make a movie to try and get as many people to watch it as possible. But you make a movie to make it work and right. people to understand it. And, and he talks about his one rule. He's like, I don't break my rule. There's not enough elaboration. But he does say like. I have one rule, don't mess with time. Or He says something to that effect. And then he, when he's giving himself his pep talk, he's like, you got to break your one rule, Barry, Barry, and you got to break it down. Like, I was into all that because I know what that one rule is. But does the movie do a good job of explaining that one rule? Maybe not necessarily. No. no. Um, and, and that's the thing is this is my issue with this version, sure. not because it exists. But my issue is maybe we shorten – some of the obnoxious Lord of the Rings cuts <laughs> of Ben Affleck riding his horse through the wilderness. Or maybe an entire the, Norwegian village singing the, a full hymnal. Yeah, the 10-minute hymnal as Aquaman <laughs> drinks whiskey and goes into the water. Yep. Or maybe we shorten the 20 minutes of Flash calling for Ray Fisher to... I Ask liked, him whether I, he can go or not. I liked all of that. I get it. I liked it, but it was like 10 minutes too long. It's like, come on, I need the sign. And it's it's the tension's building, and it's building, and it's like, at but, what point? But we it- didn't need the parademon to shoot 10 times at him and miss only to finally hit him. Like, there was a lot of places where I'm like. Shouts out to that parademon, by the way. Good work. I'm like, you could have restrained in a couple spots to give us further character development. And I understand it was probably we only have so much money for certain reshoots, sure. all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. But at the same time, it's like if we're going 70 million, are you saying we couldn't go 80 million and get those reshoots or 90 million? You this know, like, movie could have been a tight three hour, 20 minutes and been maybe transcended. But that's, that's where it comes back to the Lord of the Rings comparison. Sure. If I'm going to get a four-hour epic, I better get all the explanations I need. I don't need horse riding to be extended <laughs> or the same fight He's scene. Like, to I'm that horse riding. I am. It, it, it's because it came right after I was told that we were watching it in a square <laughs> because it was to Zack Snyder's just vision. Real, just a one-two combo of like, screw you. Yes. I'm in opposition of your decisions. Yes. You're going to tell me this is an artistic vision and then your artistic vision is seven minutes of riding through Iceland? Yes, exactly. So, 
that's more my beef with this that's movie so is like we extended in areas I didn't feel needed to be extended. Okay. And we didn't extend enough in areas that I felt like we needed. That's fair. This is an indulgent and unfocused film. Like, and and that's the thing is the funny thing is is like I think I agree with a lot of your general assessment, and I think ultimately like, who was I telling this to? I think I was telling this to you, or I was telling this to somebody. But when somebody asked me, "What do you think about Zack Snyder's Justice League?" I said, "I'm fine with it," and they're like, "That's not exactly a glowing endorsement." And I said, I really enjoy this movie. I like everything that it's doing. I think the visuals are really strong. I really like the additional character work. I did. I was not disappointed with spending my four hours watching this movie. Does that mean it couldn't be 40 minutes less? Oh, it absolutely could be. It is overindulgent. It makes – there are points where it makes no sense. There are also points where I think I've read other people – and listen to other people's reactions where I'm just like, you're just not watching the movie. You know, there was people's confusion with how the mother boxes work. I thought the movie did a pretty good job of explaining the mother boxes. You know, for all intents and purposes, I thought it did just as good of a job explaining those as Marvel did the Infinity Stones. I, I but, also, like, it didn't affect my enjoyment. You know what I mean? Well, and here's my thing, though, too, is I don't know how many millions they spent on turning a... Uh, Steppenwolf into a, a glitter bomb into a, there. Into a Michael Bay Transformer. Yes. <laughs> but I would have rather seen, if that cost them $4 million to do, I would rather right. see that money have gone to some additional reshoots you and know, things that's, like that. That's another character that we didn't talk about, which in the original Justice League, like, Steppenwolf sucks. He's a shitty villain who's just like, I am searching for the death of all war. Like, it's bo- that's boring, okay? Sure. It's boring. That's some 80s villain stuff. Like, I want to watch the world burn. Like, sometimes you get away with that. Like, the Joker is interesting because he has no code or anything like that. But the thing that makes Baron Zemo so interesting, the thing that makes Thanos interesting, hell, the thing that made Zod interesting is that they had an ethos, right? Sure. Like, they had a a structure to their life that was directly challenged by the hero. That doesn't necessarily make them evil per se, but it makes them do evil things. It makes them do bad things. And in the original, Steppenwolf is just like a big ogre-looking son of a bitch who's just like, we're going to destroy the world. In this one, he's basically like Dwight Schrute of of the new gods trying mm-hmm. to appease his his boss, Michael Boss or Michael uh, Scott, a.k.a. Darkseed, mm-hmm. And I find that interesting of where, like, he's screwed up. He's basically on probation. He's desperate to get back home. I don't want to be doing this anymore. I, I want to be loved and respected. And I find that just way more interesting than what he was in Justice League. It's tiny. Does that make the other guy Andy Bernard? Or are we, like, in the season when yeah. Dwight gets fired? Desaad? Or, Des- uh, Des- Desaad is... is- <laughs> Desaad is like 1,000% Andy Bernard. Desaad might actually be Jim, where he's just telling Michael, like, this guy sucks. You need to get rid of him. Um, But, like, I like that change in the characterization. But, like, that brings us to another big point, which is Darkseed, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Darkseed is... is Darkseed predates Thanos in comic book lore. Thanos was actually a ripoff of Darkseed um, in the comic books. And he was a big part of this marketing. And Zack Snyder's like, we're putting Darkseed in the movie and whatever. And listen, the flashback when you got the Amazonians and the gods and Green Lantern showing mm-hmm. up, like, it's a dope flashback. Cool. 
like why wasn't Ryan Reynolds? But we're not gonna get into that. <laughs> there was conversations about the fact that like it might be him. Um, and actually, it wasn't originally. Zack Snyder wanted it to be a Green Lantern at the end instead of Martian Manhunter, but Warner Brothers said we have plans for Green Lantern. You can't use that. Which I find interesting, but whatever. So that Warner Brothers would have plans is probably the most interesting part. But, like, let's be honest. Darkseid does dick all in this movie. Like, he stands behind a screen and, like, asks for progress reports and looks menacing and stuff like that. And listen, it's fine. I don't have a problem with it. But I'm not, like, I'm not blowing my top just because Darkseid shows up. And there are a lot of people who are. And that's where I think I'm more in line with you, which is, like, I get it. This dude's the big bad mamma jamma of the universe. But what does it matter if we're not getting another movie? That's, and that's my big thing is why if this is all that we're getting, part of me would prefer it doesn't exist just because it's like unfulfilled promises. Yeah, like we get the whole Thanos fine, I'll do it myself. Right. And imagine if we didn't get any movies. And it's like, imagine, yeah, imagine that was it. He says, fine, I'll do it myself. And then it's like, all right, we're going to reboot this with different characters. And (laughs) the Thanos story is gone. And it's like, wait, I thought he was going to do it himself. And he literally says, he literally has that moment when he's like, we're going to do it the old way. They destroy the mother boxes because the mother boxes, boy, Jesus, this movie. (laughs) (laughs) The mother boxes, when joined together, they create the unity. And the unity doesn't destroy matter. It remakes matter to the liking of whoever is in control of it. Mm-hmm. In this case, uh, Steppenwolf by way of Darkseid. Sure. And then they also discover the anti-life equation on Earth, which is essentially the way to control sentient beings. Yep. It's basically my mind control, I guess. It's the soul stone, I guess. I don't know. Um, but... Like all of this happens, they they get they destroy the mother boxes, they pull them apart. We're not using the unity anymore, and Darkseed literally is like, "We will use the old ways," which I assume is hand to hand combat. That yeah, we'll he have, says that we'll ready. Never see. He says ready the mar- armada. Yeah, we're gonna we'll go do invade it the again. old way, and it's, and we're not gonna see it. It's not gonna happen. We yeah. saw it in the dark in the flashbacks in the nightmare flashbacks. But then they double down, and we get this epilogue or whatever you want to call it Uh with Jared Leto's Joker Deathstrike who we're never going to see Deathstroke or Deathstroke sorry who was originally going to have his own movie who was originally going to be the villain in Ben Affleck's Batman movie which they tease and we know we're never going to get but they tease with the Lex Luthor scene which is completely different his name's Bruce Wayne and all that other stuff and that's where I'm like what was the point of this movie like to just further point out like what could have potentially been like that's that's more my issue with this existing it's I not I kind of like it for that it's just it's what is what does vision but, say like it's but, imperfect but it's beautiful but here's the thing that we've talked about with DC is DC does a really good job of casting and I think that's true in this movie sure and stacked cast like jk simmons is like the 25th person down yeah and so they do a great job of casting and it's like to some degree none of these people can ever be these roles again because we're just going to reboot the story again right and it's like you blew it but we're gonna i mean but not really because like aquaman's gonna get a sequel 
Wonder sure, Woman got it. Wonder Woman what's got the a point movie. of it? Flash like is at this be point, in it. Like, it's confusing, is what it is, because we're used to something, and now we're getting these one-offs. And frankly, like I think DC doing one-offs is good business. Like I think DC, I think DC saying we can make as many congruent stories with these different characters with different casts as we want will help. Because they're then they're not then they are specifically not trying to ape Marvel anymore, and people can stop looking at the DC universe through the lens of Marvel's structure. But the problem is, is they tried to do that and they blew it. But I think if we get further away from it, which whether or not this movie will help is up for debate, obviously, I think it'll get better. But that's my problem with them continuing trying to keep them in the same universe, just separate, like. You know, Suicide Squad or Birds right. of Prey. Like, are these supposed to tie together or not? Like, right. am I supposed to carry in the knowledge that I have from when I saw Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad right. into Birds of Prey, or am I supposed to forget that even happened? Am I right. supposed to, you know, even with Jared Leto's Joker, like he looks different than what he did in Suicide Squad, like significantly? Doesn't have the tattoos or? Yeah, am I supposed to? Is this a different Joker played by the same actor, or is this... Right. And that's my issue with it. It's just... And that's Marvel's fault, because they've built this into you, because nobody was saying that about Michael Keaton Batman. Yeah, but if you would have had Michael Keaton come back, and you would have recast Joker, and acted like the previous... That's fair. They mostly just killed everyone off. They yes. didn't let people if, get extended If you would have done Michael Keaton coming back again, and then done it with a different peng- someone else's sure. penguin... And just told a different story of their conflict, sure. you would have been like, "Here's a question for you, just out of nowhere. We're going long. Yeah, for this. screw it. Well, the is movie's George, four hours, so why don't we go? Why long? don't we get to go four hours? Is George Clooney Batman the same Batman as Val Kilmer's Batman? I have no clue. Okay, there's a definitive answer to this. It's yes, and it's because when they break Mister Freeze out of Arkham Asylum, Two Face and Riddler's costumes are hanging up, like. That was the continuity back then, Did right? You just try and tell me something about Mr. Freeze. It's a freeze in hell, Batman. <laughs> Nobody, I hate when people got Jesus. See, now that's what I'm talking about, David. Is like it, comparatively speaking, this movie, J- Zack Snyder's Justice League, compared to Joss Whedon's Justice League, Batman and Robin, Superman three and four, is should win a thousand Oscars. Here's my question for you. Which movie, if you were given the choice to rewatch one movie, would you watch Batman Forever or oh, Justice League? Oh shit! Joss oh. or Zack Snyder's Justice League, the four-hour commitment of Zack Snyder's, or would you watch Batman Forever, which is probably like a tidy oh, one fifty? That's like a one fifty. <laughs> do they get to? Do I know that they still exist? Do I get to listen to Kiss from a Rose? Yes. Regardless absolutely. of my choice. Yes. I think I'll pick Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's tough. It's really close. Like, it's dangerously close. See, like, I don't know that I'll ever watch Zack Snyder's Justice League ever again. Where I, I can think see I'll my cherry pick. I've already watched that flash scene like a dozen times. Like, that, it's just, I love that flash scene. I get what's happening. Like, I get your criticism that, like, there are people who might not get what's happening. I know exactly what's happening. And it's rad as hell. But, like, I have issues, like, Batman Forever, I can't believe we're talking about Batman Forever, but, like... As we should. As we should be. 
Two-Face is the perfect example of the same thing, of the same conflict I have and, and a similar conflict that you have, which is Tommy Lee Jones' Two-Face is, I, I love it, okay? <laughs> I love it so much. I, it was my first Batman villain costume that I made. The style, the design, everything, I am here for it. And yet... It is the worst representation of Two-Face <laughs> as a character. It doesn't get Two-Face as a character at all. It flagrantly disregards what makes that character so interesting. And that's... But if you're not going to long-form storytell it, then why bother getting it right? Like, if you're going to just reboot it right. the next movie anyways, the problem then was, why care about making it right? The problem with those first Batman movies was that every villain after that was just a, a, the Joker, but with a different paint, paint job. Like, every, even, like, look at the Penguin, cackling lunatic. Look at Riddler and Two-Face, cackling lunatics. Look at Mr. Freeze, cackling lunatic. There was no characterization here. And that's where at least Zack Snyder's Justice League gets it right. Like, at least the characters are who they're supposed to be, you know? Even if it is over four hours, you know? Now, now David, we have been arguing this entire podcast. What did, you, what did you like about it? Like, what scenes did you like about it? I've already said, like, I love the cyborg scenes where he's in his own, like, interface looking at the the money transactions and things like that sure. where he's getting a feel of his powers how he could destroy the world if he wanted to i love that scene of the flash i think the score in this movie by junkie xl freaking rules hard and that was one of the other confusing things about justice league if you will mm -hmm. is that they brought danny elfman in and then they used the danny elfman batman theme they used the john williams superman theme it's very confusing this one calls back to the DCEU Wonder Woman themes, the DCEU Superman themes. Like, I respect that and appreciate it. But, like, tell me, like, clearly you spent four hours watching this movie. Surely you have things that you've enjoyed about it, despite the face that you're making that, that can't be seen via the podcast. Um, well, I mean, on a high level, I enjoyed getting to getting further detail on the characters. And I think, especially Cyborg, like, I still don't think Flash was done that great. Um, you know, yes, we got the interactions with his dad, but again, we didn't get the whole background story of his dad. We also don't know how he got his powers. We don't know how he got his powers. We don't have the full background. Like, I don't know. There's so many different versions of Flash's story out right. there because of the multiverse and all that kind of stuff. Like, I know that he's in jail because they claim he murdered his wife. Right. Which he actually actually didn't. But the movie doesn't do that. But like, like we don't really get any kind of understanding around that anymore. Sure. It's more of just Billy Crudup talking behind a glass, telling his son to stop visiting him, and, and you know that kind of thing. And it's in direct conflict with like because like Far From or uh, Homecoming did that. Like we didn't see Peter Parker get yeah. his super because we know Spider Man's story. We've seen it in movies yeah. all the time. We know he gets bit by a spider. We know his uncle Ben dies. The problem with what they do here in The Flash, and I agree with you here, is that Barry Allen gets his powers while he's a CSI. That's one of the reasons he gets it is because he's mm -hmm. in the crime lab when lightning strikes. Mm -hmm. But in this movie, he already has his powers, and at the very end, he gets a CSI job. 
Mm-hmm. So it, it tries to do the Peter Parker thing of like, well, you know, he gets struck by lightning. But even then, it can't truly line up the dots properly. Yeah. So, so I get that. Anyways. Yeah. So we're, I, we're going back into what you didn't like. <laughs> so I enjoyed Cyborg's back. story. To your point, I enjoyed seeing a better explanation of who Cyborg is sure. from a standpoint of what he can do. Because, you know, there's a lot to it. And we didn't really get any of that. You know, he was just you know, did what he did. There was no expl- explanation of who I'm he was. Or what, yeah, like... I could take over the bat thing. Exactly. So there wasn't any of that. So I enjoyed seeing, you know, all the details of, of that, even seeing, you know, his first kind of iterations of realizing he could help people, you know, and kind of stepping into that. So I appreciated that. I think I enjoyed Aquaman especially less in this version than I did in the Joss Whedon version because I just felt like he didn't really bring a whole lot like right you know even when Batman came to see him Mm -hmm. like you had more interaction with Batman and the random like villager than you did Aquaman right and then you get the weird him as he goes into the water and that kind of thing so I, I enjoyed. We got si- Willem Dafoe again. We get Will- Willem Dafoe again. Points for Willem. Funny Dafoe. enough, I think I liked Amber Beard more than I did uh, <laughs> Amber Heard. Yeah, <laughs> or yeah, Amber yeah, Heard. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, Amber Heard more than I did uh, Aquaman in this movie to, <laughs> for for a large part of it. But no, I enjoyed. I I think the biggest thing that I walked away was I enjoyed Cyborg. I enjoyed the action better. You know, I enjoyed them embracing the Zack Snyderness, which is the you know, the brutal gore of it and yeah. that. I enjoyed the opening scene um, telling the story of Darkseed, you know, attempting the first time. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed that a whole lot. But the the Amazons were rad as shit. Like they were basically, uh, th- they were basically the Spartans. Like one, of, like one of the best parts in the movie when he's like, I will bathe in your fear. And then she's Show them your, f- show him your fear. We have no fear. Like that's dope. Like that was dope. Yeah, and then they just get. And then they got murked. Absolutely dominated. So did the Spartans by, by one guy. <laughs> so. <did> the- <laughs> but anyways, um, <laughs> one guy is like ten feet tall. I know. He's I got know. Freaking I, yeah, Transformers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll just end up going into things. And giving backhanded compliments. I just think it's super interesting, like, cause I get where you're coming from, man. Like, I get, I, I get, and I, and I, I understand where you're coming from, specifically in terms of telling a cohesive, long form story. Like, I get that, and I get that Marvel has spoiled us but with. It's, but it's not even Marvel. It's just. But they're the storytelling in general has spoiled us lately. Like, even if you had issues with how Game of Thrones ended, sure you got used to the fact that like stories made sense and they were fleshed out and you were given the information that was needed. You know, even if you're thinking of, you know, whatever thing that takes up, you know, we've now had how many movies within DCU? Uh, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Shazam technically... Uh, Birds of Prey, Suicide, Suicide Squad, Squad, Seven, this one, and yes. then two Justice Leagues. So we've legitimately invested, you know, close to thirty hours 
worth of time, maybe more like 25. Right. But 25 hours, and like I still don't know where we're at or what we're doing at this point. But and what if we're not doing anything? What if we're just telling another story? But the thing is, is don't tell me it's all part of the same universe then. Like, if if none of it's going to make sense and be cohesive, then like... like I think one of your like I so take Harley Quinn for an example. Like, is the Harley Quinn in the Suicide Squad carrying the same like baggage and the same experiences from Birds of Prey and from the first Suicide Squad? Right. Like, that's one of your big questions. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's like. I don't know that I care anymore. Like, okay, just show she's good at her character. And. Just show me another movie with her in it, you know? Yeah, my my issue is my brain can't shut off what I already know about the character. Sure. If you're going to have the same actor or actress, sure. you know, play that character. Like, I, I'm fine if you want to keep recasting and doing new stories and having them pertain absolutely nothing sure. to the previous one. I'm fine with that. Like, I'm all, I'm all for that. But don't have me... You know, nothing, there's no other situation in TV or film where we get the same actor playing the same character and we're told to just disregard everything you knew. What about WandaVision? What about Quicksilver? What about J. Jo- I'm just like f- screwing with you now. Yeah, but the thing is. J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, but even then, I think they have better explanations than what Justice League has. Which is, well, Justice League is like, don't worry about it. Like, that's basically Justice League's. Like, yeah, and we still don't know whether Quicksilver was a complete, <laughs> you know. This is now turning into the WandaVision podcast. Just pull the rug out from you. Like, we don't know that that's the case. Like It was a Ralph Boner joke. I love it. So, I mean, that's that's my thing is, is again, sure. this movie, if it was on its own, isolated, and you're just evaluating this movie as itself, it's definitely an improvement in a large way from the original. And I would much rather watch this version than the previous version. I would agree with all of that. We are in agreement, which is not the purpose of this podcast in general. So I, so that leads us, let's, let's put a pin on this because we could just keep talking about it. Like we could break down scenes, we could do all this stuff. I think we did a pretty good job of breaking down the stuff that we liked and, and didn't like and the specific things. But obviously... Being Zack Snyder's Justice League, being a, an own movie in and of itself, we gotta wrap it up with our popcorn ratings. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Uh huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. Now, if you've never listened to the podcast before, boy, is this a doozy for you to jump in on. But we do our movie ratings a little bit differently here. Instead of giving it a number of stars or a thumbs up or a thumbs down, we like to give it. A popcorn rating, and we have five different ratings to give. First is burnt popcorn, meaning it's garbage, don't waste your time. Second is stale popcorn, which means it's not great, but it'll do in a pinch. Then we have movie, or we have microwave popcorn, excuse me. Microwave popcorn's middle of the road. Microwave popcorn is, it's not for everybody. It can do well in a pinch. Some people might find it really satisfying, others not so much. Then we have movie theater popcorn, which is, it's pretty good, you should check it out. Then we have Perfect Popcorn, which is see us as soon as you can on the biggest screen that you safely can see it on. And then if we're ever in the middle somewhere, we like to throw in a soda on the side. So, David, I'm going to start with you. 
I want to know what your popcorn rating is for Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm curious. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two popcorns. So you're going and a stale. Coke. So you're doing a bucket of stale popcorn and a soda. Yeah. Okay. And that may be a little overly harsh, but again, it's if I was evaluating it as itself, I would give it microwave popcorn. Okay. But I dock so, it, I dock it a Coke or half a popcorn, however okay. you want to however you want to equate it. Sure. For the fact that it's just part I feel like this only further launches DC into an either into even bigger <laughs> hole than what they already were. So I follow that exact same thought process. This is the textbook definition of a microwave popcorn movie. Like, if we go pure textbook, a microwave popcorn movie, giving a movie microwave popcorn means that it might be really satisfying for some people, and it might be less than satisfying for others. But just like you did, I'm going to weigh it with my personal enjoyment of it. I'm going to go even further. I'm going to give it movie theater popcorn. So I'm not doing halvesies. I'm not doing a soda. I'm doing full movie theater popcorn, which is not perfect popcorn. Well, since you're doing movie theater popcorn, you can see it, and it's four by three. Yes. In line with Zack Snyder's vision. If they if they wound up like releasing this on IMAX, I would I might go see it. If they like gave me an intermission or something, like I might go see it on nope. the biggest screen that I could. Um, I just I just enjoy I like the visuals. I thought the visuals were really good. I like the characterizations a lot more. I think all of the negative things that you had to say absolutely ring true. Like literally, factually speaking, even taking your opinion out of it, like you're not wrong. It just didn't matter to me. You know, I was just into everything that was happening a little bit more. And I was just like, all right, Zach, show me what you got, man. You got four hours to do this thing. Show me what you got. And I enjoyed it. But, like, you're right. Like, it is the textbook definition of, of microwave popcorn. And I think it's fair that we both, like, I don't know what the word is, curve that mm-hmm. against our own personal enjoyment of the film. So, and I also like that we're, relative. this might be the furthest apart I think we've been on a rating. Because I know you gave stale popcorn to something. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I don't remember what it was either. It wasn't too long ago. Yeah. But, uh but I remember you gave stale popcorn, and I'm not sure if I gave it movie theater popcorn or not. But I think the only thing I remember you giving stale popcorn to was Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh and Dumbo were the Dumbo, two. That's right. Christopher Robin. Don't blame Winnie the Pooh, that poor adorable bear. <laughs> blame mean ass Christopher Robin for ruining that movie. But well, man, I, I obviously like we spent a good chunk of time talking about this movie. I imagine when we go offline. And when we just hang out, we will continue talking about this. But for the sake of our listeners, for the sake of everybody who's already sat in on a four-hour Zack Snyder Justice League, we'll go ahead and we'll wrap it up there. Before we say goodbye, I want to remind you all that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you by hitting subscribe, hitting that follow button. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with your other good movie buddies. Don't forget to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet and consider becoming a patron of the podcast. You can get early access to episodes. You can get other patron-specific content just by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet. 
Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson. I will see you next time on The Popcorn Diet. Adios.